<laughs> For those of you that do not know me, my name is Wayne. I'm a member here at King's Cross Church. And uh, I want you to ignore all these guys doing really hard work up here trying to make the sound system work and keep it going. Oh, that's a really great idea. So all of you in the back that may not be able to hear me, because you're not listening to me. Um, if you want to, you can come forward and we have a lot of seats up front. So um, I know that that's scary, but I'm asking you to take the risk. So I don't know if you've noticed that it's a really interesting opportunity to be able to stand up here and watch all of you greet and meet everyone. The energy is tremendous and the volume gets really high and I fight to take back control. And uh, it's so amazing to see the energy. I'm actually gonna do something a little different. Did anyone today meet somebody new for the very first time? Raise your hand. Okay, who did you meet? Just, oh, you pointed at him. Did, did you get a name? Dalton, awesome. Someone over here, someone else. Okay, Bert, who did you? Camille and Nick. So um, this is exactly what I'm, this is getting really echoey. Um, this is exactly what we're going to be talking about today as we study our scripture this morning. So we have been studying through the book of Proverbs. And uh, I've come to understand that Proverbs is basically a primer on wisdom. And I've been learning that wisdom is the ability to do the right thing in a given situation when there's really no moral rules to address it. And so last week we looked at wise parenting and this week we are going to look at building friends and the wisdom of choosing them, the wisdom of being them and how we then are to the value that God puts on them and then how do we handle having friends that are not Christians. So what I'd like to do is that we're going to read verse, verses from the Bible, but I could not find just a passage and say, okay, let's look and focus on this passage because Solomon literally put verses all through the book of Proverbs. So if you were to look up everything, you'd be turning page by page by page by page. So what I did is I collected them all and made a collage and they're going to show up on the screen in a little bit. And so you're going to follow along by looking at the screen, I know you don't have your Bible and I'm not having you open it, but I promise you, if you want to write down all those verses, they're in there, okay? And so this is the only way I could find a, a way to share with you the, all these verses at one time. So out of respect for God's word, will you please stand with me as we read all these verses from the book of Proverbs around relationships and friendships? Whoever walks with wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. A friend loves at all times, and a, and a brother is born for adversity. A man who has friends must be a friend, but there is a friend that stays nearer than a brother. Seldom set a foot in your neighbor's house, too much of you, and he will hate you. <laughs> The righteousness, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Like one who takes away a garment on a cold day, or like 
vinegar being poured on a wound is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. Like a madman shooting deadly burning arrows is the one who tricks a neighbor and then says, I was just joking. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Perfume and incense brings joy to the heart. And the pleasantness of a friend springs from his earnest counsel. If anyone loudly blesses neighbors early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. <laughs> iron, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning. And we know that you know our needs better than we know them ourselves. You know our desire to join together as one body in your name with wise friends. Friends that lift us up and encourage us, but more than that, friends that lead us closer to you. Oh, Father, help us understand the value you place on friendship and what kind of friend you want us to be. Give us the grace to make, give us the grace to always make sure that our friendships honor you. Father, I pray that the way I act and the way I treat my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ will set a really good example for unbelievers to know that what real friendship should be like. Father, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a seat. So, I'm not taking one verse and just pulling it apart. I'm going to be looking at a lot of verses. And uh, so, in order to do that and keep you up with me, I've put some slides together that will hopefully keep us on track together. If the slide shows something different that I'm talking about, then I lost my place and I'm uh, talking about a point that uh, is not up there yet. <laughs> um, so first I want to start off by talking about the importance of friendships and the value that God places on friendships. So in order to do this, I have to start in the book of Genesis and talk about God creating the world. And if you remember that story, God created the heaven and the earth and he said it was good. Then he, re, he, he brought light out of darkness and he said, okay, there's dark, there's night, there's day, there's nighttime. And he said it was good. And he did this. And as he was surveying all of his creations, he then looked at Adam and he goes, he's alone. And that's not good. And so I always thought this was more of a marriage passage. And I've even used it as I've done some weddings. And... Um, Basically, um, I've always thought that this is more about those two uniting together. And what I've come to realize is it's more about us being in community with one another. That God did not want us to be alone. And therefore, he created relationships 
that we can hold on to. Now, he is always there for us and he wants us to know that he loves us. And he is reminding us through his word about his love and his compassion, his purpose for our life. But, you know, there are some times in my life that I need someone just to hold my hand. I need someone just to pat me on the back and remind me that it's going to be okay. And that's what community is. And that's what God wanted for Adam, that he's not alone. Because being a, the only zookeeper in that zoo was just a too big of a job for one guy to handle. So, I'm looking for my place. Excuse me for one second. So, as we look at what is um, what God considers valuable in friendships, I, I have some uh, verses that I want us to go over. So, in Proverbs 13:20, the first verse that we looked at today. It says, whoever walks with wise becomes wise, for companions of fools will suffer harm. I call this the influence verse. So one of the things that God did for us is he put friends in our life to influence us. But this whole passage, this whole book about wisdom, we have to pick wisely good friends. Friends that have wisdom. Friends that will draw us to the Lord. Friends that will point us in his direction and influence us in a very positive way. And I think in the past, we probably all had friends that have influenced us to do things that were maybe not the best decision. I'm not going to give any of those examples out of my life today. <laughs> if anyone wants to testify, I'll give the mic away for just about two seconds. But uh, I think... I don't see any hands being risen. And so I think what I really want to share with you is we need to pick people in our life that will influence us in a way that will draw us closer to the Lord. The very first week of our study in Proverbs, we learned that the beginning of, the, of wisdom is the fear of God. So we want to walk with people who fear God. We want to be around people who love God who follow and worship him, people who know his word and are trying to live according to it. Proverbs 27, 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. I call this the accountability verse. Okay, I know most of us, maybe all of us, really don't like the idea of accountability. But the truth is, we need it. We are not always strong enough to resist temptation, nor do we always recognize it. At times, we really make poor decisions. And our choices do not always seek after God's will. This is called being human. But that's what friends are for, is to hold us accountable. So this week, I've been working for some time to lose weight and become the skinnier version of me. And so um, this actually last week I was talking to a friend and he said, don't laugh at me, but I'm really going to get healthy. I'm going to start working on getting healthy. And he says, I know I've said that like 30 times, but I'm really going to do it. And you know what? God really convinced me. He goes, oh, you need to be accountable, buddy. So I wrote the guy a text and said, me too. 
I'm going to hold you accountable and you hold me accountable. This is my first week and it has gone tremendously well because I knew he was looking over my shoulder and I didn't want to mess up. And so accountability really works. And so God knows for us to grow and to be close to him, we need to be influenced in the right direction. We need to have accountability partners. And then this next verse out of Proverbs 27, 9, the perfume and incense bring joy to the heart. But the pleasantness of a friend springs from his earnest counsel. I call this the clarity verse. Have you ever been in a place where your thoughts were very confused and you really weren't sure which direction to go? You were just really uncertain because of the situation that you were in. Um, there's a, a phrase that goes, you can't see the forest because of the trees. It's sort of the idea that you're so focused on one tree that you really can't see which direction that you need to go to get through the forest. And so for many of us, we get so confused because we're focused in one specific area. And so we're not really sure how we need to navigate this course of life. And so what is here is this wise counsel that comes from a brother or a sister that points us back to God and nudges us in that direction, we can then get clarity. Because they have more clarity because they're not emotionally involved with in the situation that I'm in. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the uh, countenance of his friend. I call this, God gave us a win-win situation. That's why he gave us friends. So, this is two pieces of iron that must work together to accomplish the desired intent. Both items get sharper. And so this leads us to a very valuable component of growing in a close personal relationship with other people. Friendships are never to be a one-way street. God honoring interpersonal connections are designed to help both parties grow in Christ-like maturity. But this process is not just pointing out perceived weaknesses in someone else. This sharpening comes from heartfelt desire to help the other person grow. And in the process, I grow too. So God has all these purposes for, we, for us to use our friends to help us stay on course with him. One last one. I call it the got your back verse, uh, but it's around support. A friend loves at all times, but a brother is born for adversity. Now, this isn't two different things. This isn't a friend and a brother. This is a friend that loves at all times, and during adversity, he is like a brother. Or she's like a sister. You, you, you got to stay with the times a little bit, and the Bible is definitely... A male-driven book, but this is man in general, mankind. So we are here to support one another. So David Platt has a really good quote around this verse, and I just thought I'd read it because I couldn't do any better. We don't just need to read this verse and think, well, who loves me like this? 
we've got to ask the question, well, who do I love like this? Not just who walks with me through adversity, but who can I walk through adversity with? Who can I help in the middle of adversity? So God knows that walking through this life, this fallen world, that there's going to be challenges. And so what he wants to do is put to, together a support team. He wants to give us an advantage by putting us in a win-win situation by allowing us to have clarity of thought through our friends' counsel, through holding each other accountable and influencing each other to stay on course with the Lord. So now we've looked at what God, why God created and values friendship. Now what I want us to do is look at what it takes to make friends. How do we make friends and hold on to them? Proverbs 18.24 says, A man who has friends must be a friend. That is just solid advice. Um, so a man who has friends must be a friend. On the subject of friendship, Solomon explains that if we want friends, guess what? We must be friendly. Who would have thought? Now, we need to not only be friendly, but we need to be reaching out to others. Now, I get it. Reaching out to others is very risky. What if they don't like What if they think that I'm not good enough? What if I say something stupid and it just ends the relationship? There's all kinds of risk involved with starting to build a relationship. And because we are often afraid of rejection, many of us are unwilling to reach out to others. We sort of take a safer approach. I'll wait for them to come to me. But uh, many of you have realized that could take a very long time because guess what? They're also waiting for you to come to them. And so there's this sort of no man's land where no one's going. It's sort of like junior high and that first dance. The boys are over there, the girls are over here, and the dancing's supposed to be going out here, and nothing's going on in the middle. And so one of the things that we need to do is get out of our comfort zone. We're responsible to make friends. Building meaningful relationship is hard work, but for friendship to flourish and develop, it requires significant intention and effort. Yet the older I get, the more I realize life without meaningful relationships is really pointless. So just how do we create friends? I'm going to get really practical right now, okay? How do we create friends? When making friends, we need to consider taking these actions. Okay, point number one. You want to write it down? Go right ahead. Get uncomfortable. That's point number one. Get uncomfortable. Okay, the first thing we have to do is make peace with the fact that making friends as an adult is just uncomfortable. It's a lot like dating. For some of you, that may have been a very long time ago. You've been married too long. For some of you, that was maybe last night. But it's like dating and the fact that there's this awkwardness of, you know, do they like me? Do I like them? Am I really going to build a relationship, a friendship here? And 
it, it gets uncomfortable in talking with people. I, I was listening to NPR, and uh, this was a whole conversation about a TED Talk. And it was really interesting because this the scientist, this research scientist, was talking about first conversations. And when people have the first conversation, she coined a phrase, light gap. There's a light gap. And the light gap is, I walk away from the conversation, I go, that went really well. I, I really like that person. And then all of a sudden we go, but I wonder if they like me. You know what? What did I say? Did I say something stupid? Oh, I bet I said something stupid. They really don't like me. And all of a sudden, there's this like gap. And what they did research was the other person liked them equally as well, but everyone walked away with a like gap. So what I'm going to challenge you to do is get uncomfortable, and whether you think they like you or not, ask them out for coffee again. You know, go to dinner. Go to an event. Create an opportunity to build relationships and friendships. So creating new connections is going to require you to take steps outside of your comfort zone. While this will require some steps, they can be calculated and prayerful steps. So you can strategically go about making friendships without being overwhelmed or having high anxiety. Okay. Here's some steps. First of all, introduce yourself. Did you see what we did earlier? We had this whole greet and meet, and I pointed out some people who met people for the first time. Absolutely. For some of you that did a really great job of staying in your seat and seeing if someone would come to you, yeah, that was interesting, wasn't it? It's sort of like we've been talking about. And then some of you got up and you went and talked to others, but there were some connections being made. Connections were being made all over the room so much you couldn't hear me say, good morning. And I said it about four times and then everyone's like, oh, he's insistent. I guess we got to be quiet. And uh, so, but here's what I'm going to share. Uh, when I came to King's Cross Church for the first time, I knew no one here except Obed. That's the only person that I knew. And I wasn't never sitting next to Obed. I was out there with you guys. And I got to meet so many new people the first week, I met all these people, and I walked away, and I was like, I was like, you. I was like, who did I meet? What was their name? And, and the next week, I came back, and I saw them, and they said, hi, Wayne. And I'm like, yeah, hi, you. You know, you that sat with, next to me and said hello to me. So here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. The next week, when you come in and you say hello to people and you meet someone for the very first time, this is what I started doing. Write their name down. And then write a little brief description about them. And I have little brief descriptions about a lot of you in my phone. And you'd go, what? <laughs> Why did you write that about me? Because <laughs> I needed something to trigger memory to remember who you were. So first of all, I got uncomfortable. I got out there. I introduced myself. I got to know you. I asked questions about people. So... People love sharing about themselves. And so you need to have in your pocket a few questions that you can ask. Here's some really good ones that are really sophisticated. What's your name? How long have you been coming to King's Cross Church? I've done this and been amazed. So I've been here for a few years now. And someone goes, oh, I've been here for two months. And it's the first time I'm meeting them. 
And so it's an opportunity to actually put some questions out there to start the conversation. You use those two questions right there and you are going to be a conversation master. Okay? So just put those in your back pocket and you'll be ready to go. And then the last thing I want to share with you is also take some time to intentionally pray to the Lord about bringing people into your life. God has friends throughout this church, throughout San Diego, in your workplace, in your school place, wherever your place is, that He wants to create friendships for you. And so pray that the Lord will encourage you to step out of your comfort zone. Pray that He will help you find friends that will point you to Jesus and friends that you can then also encourage to walk with the Lord as well. So those are the big points right there about making friends. So now that we've looked at some tips about getting through those awkwardnesses of making new friends, let's sort of look at um, how do we, um, let's look at getting out of our comfort zone. So I'm going to talk about a couple of things, and you've probably heard it announced already this morning. One of them is one way you can get out of your comfort zone to start making friends, join a community group. Yeah, we talked about that in announcements. And so why community group? Well, the reward's twofold. Number one, you get to study God's word. But number two, you're studying God's word in community. You're, you're getting to know other people that are valuing knowing God and growing in the relationship with the Lord. So you're in community together, working together, getting to know people. I get it. You don't know anyone in a community group. That's right, because you're going for the first time. Or third, or fourth, and you're still waiting for someone to come up and make, make, be friends with you. And so God has a plan. Just keep going, because He wants to get you in community and start building relationships. You may look at me and go, Wayne, you are a very friendly guy. It's easy for you. It's not any easier for me. I'm in a community group, and I'm old enough to be everyone's dad. <laughs> I mean everyone's dad. And not only that, is a couple of weeks ago, they had a brilliant idea. We're going to learn how to two-step and line dance. So there's a picture up here of this big old guy trying to do two-step with two left feet. And so, was I comfortable? Absolutely not. I had a hundred reasons for not getting out there and making a fool out of myself. And I hope what I just didn't do is give you a reason for not joining community group. Okay, not every community group dances. But if you join ours, you might get a chance to. And so what I'm sharing with you is we need to step out of our comfort zone. We need to be willing to step out there and make friends. And one great place to do that is community group. A second way of doing that is volunteering. So volunteering is an absolutely great way to do that. And it's less awkward because when you volunteer, you're usually given a task. And so it gives you something to talk about with the people that you're working with, right? And so... We have given you, as a church, some great volunteering opportunities of cleaning up and working with the new location. And if I know Taylor, we probably have a few more of those coming, so you have an opportunity to volunteer. And you can sit there and work with someone as they're working and volunteering, being 
a servant attitude together, but giving to no others. Now, volunteering has risk. It does. I'm not going to say everything's perfect. I'm not just giving you the good side of things. I'm also letting you know the uncomfortable things. In an organization, it can be unorganized. That's not Taylor, by the way. Um, but some organizations can be unorganized, and some of them don't know your skill set. They don't know who you are. And so when you first start volunteering, you may get some duties that are less than glamorous. And like, like spraying down a dirty overhang and letting all that dirt and water fall on you. Because a few of us in this room got that opportunity a, couple, a few weeks ago. And so you don't always get the most glamorous jobs until the leaders get to know who you are, what skills you have, what commitment you have, and then they start placing you in other areas. But I want to share something with you. You need to remember this. When you volunteer, this isn't about just meeting your needs. It's about meeting the needs of the organization and the people that you're trying to help. Your need of finding friendship, that will follow through your service. You will find other people that are in service with you and you will find that they have equal ideas and desires and you build relationships through that. So we've looked at how we are to make friends. We've looked at how we can get out of our comfort zone and find places to develop friendships. How do we hold on to friends? You know, that's, that can be challenging sometimes. Um, you know, sometimes we move away from people. Uh, sometimes we have things that draw us apart. Uh, sometimes they get another person in their life that they truly love. And then that draws us apart as well. So how do we hold on to friends? I'm going to go back to the book of Proverbs and the verses that we read this morning. We hold on to friends by, first of all, being trustworthy. Like a madman shooting deadly burning arrows is the one who tricks his neighbor and then says, just joking. Okay, what the heck does that verse mean? I think we sort of get the context, right? We're tricking someone and then we go, ah, just joking. Uh, so what's the whole madman shooting burning arrows? So it's like a crazy guy would take a flaming arrow and shoot it into his barn, right? Because then it all goes up into smoke. Well, as ridiculous as that is, is the fact that we go and trick somebody and then just say that we're sorry. See, trustworthy means that you're, you're not, you've got to be available to live up to your word and to keep confidences. True friendship finds fulfillment in encouraging supporting and building up the other person a real christian friend is always faithful and looking to protect and seek what is best for the other person and not one who says i was just having some fun can't you take a joke a person that is holding on to a friend needs to be loving in proverbs 2714 it says if anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning it will be taken as a curse and you go well what's wrong with that well obviously you're a morning person <laughs> and so a part of genuine friendship is telling your friends what they mean to you but in a way that is meaningful to them 
See, reversely, I'm the kind of person that if you told me how much you meant to me at 10 o'clock at night, I'll either be sound asleep on you or not very happy that you called me. So you've got to understand that how you share with another person that they mean a lot to you has to be done in a way that they understand that it's from the heart and not just out of your lips. So part of a genuine friendship is telling your friends what they mean. No one ever gets tired of hearing that they are valued and they are appreciated. So if you want to hold on to your friends, you want to be open. Now, what does that mean? Here's the verse I went with that. Proverbs 12, 26. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. So when we make friends for the very first time, we have to be very careful on how much we share of our life. So it's good to be open, but you need to test the waters and that relationship needs to grow so that you know that you can trust them enough to share the very darkest secrets of your life. And so you reveal just a little bit of a time, but you need to constantly be working on being more open. Ladies, you do an awesome job at this. Guys, we're really open. How do you find? Yeah, me too. So that's us being open. And so it takes a little bit more work on our behalf, gentlemen, to be open and to be honest about what is really hurting us, what we're struggling with, what we're working on. And that's why we need friends. That's why God put friends in our life so that we can be open and so that we don't have to hide it. This is the thing about sin. Sin is so powerful because we never tell anyone about it. Once we share it, it loses all its power. I've had pastors stand up here. I know one that stood up here and told me about stealing something from a hardware store. And um, I thought that was pretty amazing that he did that. But here's the thing. Once you commit the sin and once you are open and you're honest with it, then it no longer has power over you. And so what we need to do is learn to be open. And that's one of the things that will help us hold on to our friends. If we want to hold on to friends, then we need to be respectful. Like one who takes away a garment on a cold day or like pours vinegar on a wound is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. So this may take a little bit of translation. You know, when someone is struggling, you don't want to be going in and just being really lighthearted. Hey, great day and singing and happy when they are really distraught and they're hurting. Because if you do that, you're like someone who steals a coat, takes their coat from them when it's cold. Or you pour vinegar on a wound and that is not comfortable. So respect means listening without interrupting. It means you don't focus on your friend's weakness, but you look at their strengths. It means avoiding a judgmental or condemning or critical spirit. Instead, make sure that the words that come out of your mouth are kind. They're uplifting. They're considerate. Your friend should walk away from you feeling that they've been treated as the most important person in the world. 
So, you can be a coat stealer and a vinegar pourer, or you can be the kind of person that shows a respect for who they are. So, we've talked about why it's important to have friendships and why God values them. We've talked about how we make friends and how we hold on to friends. So one of the things I really wanted us to focus in a little bit on is, should we have unbelieving friends? I want to share with you something that I've learned. How many friends do you have that don't know Christ? I'm not, I'm not looking for a number. Hold on. Okay, just how many friends do you have that don't know Christ? Better put, it's this. How many people who are not Christians would consider you their friend? Think about that for a minute. How many people who do not know Christ consider you to be their friend? So statistics say, and they're, they're very clear, that on an average person, once they become a believer, that he or she loses contact with all unbelieving friends within two years. So within two years, we sort of isolate them. And, and some of this is done intentionally, and some of it's done unintentionally. Some shed their non-Christian friends on purpose because they're influencing them to do the wrong thing. Some do it just because of consequences of their new life and, and the time that they're spending in Bible study or in church. And their, new, their old friends don't want to do those things with them. So... A lot of this has to do, though, with people interpreting 2 Corinthians 6.14 incorrectly. This is what that says. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light and darkness? Many believe that this means that we are to lose association with unbelievers. This is a wrong interpretation. What Paul was trying to say here is he's saying not to have unbelieving friends. He's not saying don't have unbelieving friends, but not to join together with unbelievers in their practices and their worldviews. Okay? In other words, we are being yoked together does not mean to join them in their lifestyle and their belief system and therefore becoming more like them. This does not mean that we are not to have unbelieving friends. So let me give you some reasons why Christians should intentionally have unbelieving friends. First, they are in need of hope. Today, more than ever, there's a really a sense of hopelessness in our world. And people are searching for something. They're looking for something to fulfill them, to bring hope and joy back into their life. And, but people do not know what they do not know. And so during the time that Christ walked on the earth, the religious leaders, they had a philosophy of no association with pagans. And that's why when you read the New Testament and you see that Jesus does things and all the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they get really upset. Like, he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house today. They're like, what is he going to a house of a tax collector for? Doesn't he know this man and what he is? And then Jesus would allow a woman that had a very poor reputation in the community to come in and wash his feet with perfume. 
And then he would have lunch and dinner and he would get to know people. And it was pointed out over and over again that he was doing something wrong at that time from their perspective. But this is how Jesus answered them. So when they saw Christ eating and drinking and befriending unbelievers, they began to look down upon him. And Christ responded by saying, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. So there are people in this world that are lacking hope. Now you may go, Wayne, are you calling non-believers sick? I'm saying there's a hole in their life. There's a missing piece that they are looking to fulfill. And we have the answer. But if we are the kind of church that stays in our building and doesn't go out and make friendships, then we are not fulfilling the purpose of Christ. And our mission our mission statement is to be on mission with God. To be on mission with Christ. And if he's out there making friends with non-Christians, then we want to be there as well. Another point that I want to share with you for making friends with unbelievers is they keep it real. Many of us have been Christians for so long that we don't even know what it's like to live out there without Christ. And so how we talk and what we say can be a little confusing for non-believers. So hypothetically, I have Sarah. If there's a Sarah here today, I'm not talking about you. But let's say Sarah, she has a number of friends. Some have been thinking about Christianity. Some have been going to church and a few of them have become Christians. She's not one of those people, but she still has and enjoys her friendship. And so they're going out for lunch and someone brings up a question. And one of the Christians goes, oh, John has a really good answer about that. So she opens her Bible and she reads a passage out of the book of John. And so they were all talking about that. And once the conversation sort of died down, Sarah goes, I have a question. Who's John? And why do I care what he has to say? See, non-believers keep it real. They, they, they just go for it. So I got, why do I care what the Bible says? Why do I care what you're saying? Now that you're a Christian, I know what you used to do. And we've got to come to grips with who we used to be, who we are now, and how we can share that transformation with them. So building relationships with unbelievers, they need hope, they keep it real, and they are not shy about their struggles with asking great questions. Unbelievers ask some really great questions. And if you don't know that, come to Life Explored and you will hear some amazing questions. Uh, it, it, they, we, I'll talk about that in just a minute. But let me just share that people, people struggle with, with questions and, and non-believers are not afraid to ask about that. For instance, Unbelievers are really uncomfortable with our perception of hell. You know, people perishing in hell and fire, and they're like, that religion just is scary. And, and if I probably surveyed you guys, and you could take a survey of being unknown, I bet there's a number of Christians in this room that struggle with the concept of hell too. 
And so what I think is very important is we need to be struggling with this concept of hell. Because as they're struggling, we should also struggle so that we know how to have a conversation with them. And it shouldn't be watered down. Like, well, hell's really not like fire and brimstone. It's more like, you know, you're not hanging around God. Well, that's perfectly fine. I don't hang around him now, so I won't hang him around for a while longer. And so we get it to a point where they don't understand of the absence of loneliness and hopelessness for eternity and what that would actually feel like. And so one of the things that we need to do is we need to struggle with some of the things that unbelievers struggle with. And the only way that we can understand that is to be in relationship with them. And then I want to remind us that we should be in relationships with non-believers uh, because Christ did it. Christ was on mission to reconcile the world to himself. And he had both unbelieving and believing friends. He sought to win the lost and disciple them and challenges us to do the same. There was a great balance in his ministry. If you want to follow Christ's example, associate with all those in need. So now is my shameless plug for Life Explored. <laughs> so what I'm going to share with you is... I'm really, we're preparing right now for season five of Life Explored. And what Life Explored is, for those of you that do not know, we go to a neutral territory where it's safe for people to walk in. It's not like a church where everyone's dressed up in nice shorts like you guys. <laughs> it's, it's where they can come, be real, and regardless of what they believe, they are going to be listened to. And we have conversations. I'm going to encourage you guys. You have a couple of months. I'm going to challenge you to go out there and make some non-believing friends and invite them to Life Explore. It's a very safe place to do it. You don't have to have all the answers. Sierra has them all. <laughs> and if not Sierra, Nick has them all. I'm just there for, I'm eye candy. That's all I am. <laughs> so, I really want to encourage you to... Bring your unbelieving friends, family members, co-workers, schoolmates. Bring them on out to Life Explore. But in order to have those great friends, we need to make them. God wants us to have people in our lives. We're not created to be solo, isolated individuals. We get depressed. We get sad. We get selfish. We don't grow when we're not in relationship and in community. So I want to encourage you. Get in community. Build relationships. Next week in our greet and meet, find some new people that you've never known and remember their name. And then say hello to them the following week. Build those relationships. Build those friendships. Why? Because God created them to keep you on course and to keep you spiritually healthy. He wants the very best for you. And navigating this world without friends, it's just useless. So, Solomon put all these verses in Proverbs. Some of them funny, some of them very serious, but all of them direct us to build wholesome, God-honoring friendships. And they're sitting all around you. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. And 
how you love us is so amazing that you do something like friendship. I have not heard too many verses about friends or friendship. And Lord, I hope I did you justice on this one because this is so important. Some of us in this room are very lonely today and we are hurting. And we feel like there is no one that cares. And God, even though you're there and you're saying that you care, they need someone to sit next to them. They need someone to listen to them. They need someone to touch them and remind them that they have value and that they are important. Today, Lord, if there's a person here that feels that way, I pray that they will get out of their comfort zone and that they will touch someone else and say, hey, would you mind having coffee with me or would you mind going to lunch with me? And that they start building friendships. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.